You know, um, when we set out to hear God, we hear things we don't expect and we hear things we do expect. But either way, it's a great adventure. And I, I want to talk about that this morning because, we, we, you know, we've done a couple of weeks. And as I've said, one of the, the, the reason I'm doing this series and the reason I do a lot of the things I do is that I am fully convinced that the purpose of church, leadership of a church, and those who are, uh, have, have been placed in position by God is to train others to do the works of the kingdom. That, that's, that's what we're here for. It's not about us. It's not about uh, creating a ministry or anything like that. It's to train others to do the works of the kingdom. And if we don't do that, we're kind of failing. And doing works of the kingdom doesn't mean, uh, you know, when, when we talk about ministry, we, we often narrow that down to I'm on worship team or I'm on welcome team or I get to speak or I get to lead a Bible study. And, and when we think of ministry like that, but ministry primarily takes place outside the walls of the church. Ministry is about the one-on-ones that change everyday lives into extraordinary lives. And, and that's what I'm talking about. And training uh, each of us, you, you see, we use this word discipleship. And the minute we say discipleship, we've so messed that up that our minds automatically narrow that down to Bible study of a program. Uh, and, and that was never what Jesus intended when he used the word discipleship. He intended when he used the word discipleship for us to do what he did with his disciples, which to show them the way the kingdom works and then get them to do it in a way that got results. And so that's what we're about, isn't it? Yeah? I'm just trying to get you to wake up. You know, I'm, I'm talking while you're waking up. I know this is the lull after the great worship where you, you get to engage, you see. You woke them up. Cheryl says she woke them up. You see, I, I can, you know, sometimes we, we, we have to put activities to our words and and. Roger, as he said, the way God speaks to him is journaling. He likes to journal. And so for Christmas, Roger and I have got me this, this it's actually pride of place on my desk. It's like a little writing box. It's kind of a Dickens writing box style. And it, and it was, and I had to open them all separately on different days because it had, it had different journals in. So I've got one of my journals here this morning uh, where... God's just been showing me a few more things about this importance about hearing God. Um, before I go into that, I, I just wanted to uh, share with you, if I can get it up on my phone, it's disappeared again now. They do, don't they? Explain about no, no, the no, 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 you're fine. To do that later? I'll explain it later. You sit down. You're right. fine, darling. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> What she wants to tell you <laughs> is that my journal, because Roger and Olive love me very much and they know I love superheroes, has Thor on it. And Cheryl wants to explain that I'm not backsliding because I've got a picture of <laughs> Thor the superhero on the front of my journal. Okay. He looks like a little devil. No, he doesn't look like a little devil. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, here's a testimony. You remember... Uh, I guess it was about two, three weeks ago, I was, t I was telling the story uh, of one of our uh, um, ladies in our outreach group over in Royston. 
and she'd been to Dunelm and prayed for people. Do you remember that story? Yeah. Well, she's had more adventures in Dunelm. Dunelm is obviously the place to go. So I'm going I'm to tell you that a little praising of the last couple of weeks, because this is exciting. I love it. And, it. and it fits in with this thing God is saying to us about being ordinary people who do extraordinary things. And it's not difficult, because when we get our heads around it, we realise that actually we are doing nothing all we are doing is hearing God and then he does it. Nothing comes from us. Our job is hearing God and then doing what he asks. And then he does the rest. He's got the power, yeah? We don't have the power. He's got the power. We're not trying to get more power. He's got the power. What we're trying to do is get ourselves in a position that he wants us to be in to release his power. And so this is, this is what she said. I've just... So it's, it's got a little bit of a story in front. I've just been to Dunelm again. <laughs> I had material to pick up. I'd cancelled my day's work thinking it would be able to, uh, I wouldn't be able to manage the heat. Her, her work involves her doing uh, lots of work outside with people. Anyway, I got a phone call from Dunelm to say some material I had ordered to come in. Knowing the car had air conditioning and the store did too, I thought this was a good idea and perhaps it was God. So I went. Long story short, I prayed for a lady in the restaurant there who had a very troubled back and saw it healed. The girls whose knee, do you remember last time she prayed for a girl who had, had a bad knee? The girl whose knee I prayed for the other week is reported to be better. She's currently on holidays in Turkey, but the lady with the back problem told me so the jungle drums in Dunelm are working well. I explained something of Jesus and gave the new lady my number. On the way out, I saw a lady with a crutch getting out of her car. I asked her about it and she was recovering from a broken foot. I prayed for her foot and she told me she had MS too. I prayed and as I prayed, one of her toes straightened and she said she was tingling from head to foot. So I explained to her Jesus and his complete work on the cross and gave her my number. She kept saying that toe had never been straight since she was born. <laughs> it's her daughter's wedding on Saturday, and she said, I want to enjoy it a whole, uh, sorry, I'm going to enjoy it a whole lot more. We've already texted each other, it's so exciting. Now, one on about five or six days, just had word back from a lady I prayed for outside Dunelm with the crutch because of the broken foot. Hi Ruth, no pain in my foot all weekend. So whatever you've done worked. Thank you very much. As I said, it was her daughter's wedding on Saturday. I asked her if there had been any difference with regards to her MS. I think that's really good, the fact that she heard the testament, but that she was asking, you know, following up, like not being worried in case nothing had happened. Actually saying, is there any change? Is there any difference... Uh, with regard to MS, and if she had been dancing at the wedding, her reply, he, he, she goes, I have had MS for over 20 years, so there's a lot of muscle deterioration, but I have noticed that I have a lot more movement in my feet and legs since she prayed. I have physio next week, so let's see. Yes, I danced at my daughter's wedding. Isn't that brilliant? Absolutely brilliant. That's why... Jesus works through each of us so that we can bring the kingdom to others. Yeah. You know, if we, we, we often talk about being a prophetic people, don't we? And the truth of, about being a prophetic people 
is the world outside sees us as presenting the kingdom to them in a way that they've not understood before. So being a prophetic person involves representing Jesus in the world. And to do that, we, we, we have to actually hear him first. That's the first step of being a prophetic person, is to hear God's voice. Hear the voice of the Spirit. And then the second step is to actually be obedient and do what you believe he's told you to do. Yeah? And so... When we, when we talk about being prophetic to the world outside or being a prophetic church, which we want to be, then it's not just prophecy in here for us, it's representing, or the word represent is represent Jesus, represent the Jesus in us to others, representing Jesus to others outside the church. And so that's how God uses us, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. And that, that's, that gets me really excited. You know, I got excited last week because, you know, after, after the meeting last week, I, I heard various testimonies. What, one I particularly loved, it came up on, on Facebook, was from a lady we know. And she'd had tinnitus for a number of years. And when uh, Carly was calling things out last week, uh, she got completely healed of tinnitus. And so that's exciting. But what I found really exciting was it was a lady, you know, you all know her, Dawn, she's on holiday this week. Dawn actually put on there, yes, last year I'd had tinnitus for 15 years. Last year when Carly came, I was healed of tinnitus and I'm still healed of tinnitus. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what we want. We want, we want testimonies, not just about the, the in the moment, but the lasting life changed, isn't it? So... I just want to take us back to that first step of being a prophetic person, which is hearing the voice of God. And uh, I was writing down in my, my journal, which Cheryl's now made so amazing, <laughs> um, just uh, at breakfast the other day. Um, I'm actually looking at something else. I, I'm actually, because the way God works with me, he works in kind of bursts. I get bursts of revelation and nothing. And then a burst and then nothing. So I'm, I'm in a burst at the moment, which you'll, in theory, if it all, you know, if, if I actually understand what he's saying, you'll get to hear sometime in the new year. But I just want to start there and then pick up at just the, the, the last bit that I'd already intended to talk about, about hearing God. But I was looking at the way Jesus operated and related to his father. Because Jesus is on earth and we are told he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. And so as people who are full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus should be our model for what it looks like to be a Holy Spirit filled person on the earth. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, I know that's a big concept, but nevertheless, it's a Bible concept. It's a true concept. And so that's what we're looking at. And... The thing that struck me as I was reading this is I was, I was in, in John where Jesus is talking about how he relates to the Father. That's the book of John, written by the Apostle John, who's one of Jesus' followers. And John's the one that records these elements of relationship. The, the others kind of record events. John really comes at it from a different perspective. He talks about relationship. And, it, and it's there we gather the way that Jesus worked as part of the Trinity, the way he related to his Father and the way he related to his Holy, the Holy Spirit. Now, 
We're told that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when a believer walking in the fullness of everything that's available to them should look like Christ. That's what the world should encounter. They should be encountering from us the same thing as the world encountered when Christ was here and the world encountered when the disciples went because they got this concept. And I think one of the reasons perhaps that we don't see the fullness operating in our life is that we, we kind of get in the cart before the horse. Does that translate to you Southerners? Cart before the horse, yeah? It's probably a bit low key for Cambridge grads, you know, you're not down there. But cart before the horse means you're, like, you're getting something ahead of where it should be. And I think often we try and run before we can walk. There you are, I've got all the little metaphors in today, going for it big time. So here's the thing that really struck me the other morning when I was having breakfast. That Jesus depended totally on the Holy Spirit to do the work. Now, this is Jesus. And he's depending totally on the Holy Spirit. And this is what... It really struck me and therefore so should we if Jesus had to depend totally on the Holy Spirit there's only one way this kingdom things work which is to depend totally on the Holy Spirit and we find it various bits that Jesus is taught by the Holy Spirit he's empowered by the Holy Spirit and here's, here's one other thing he did not do one single miracle until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit yeah? So, um, in John 14, 10, I, we haven't, I haven't got these because this is kind of a bit spontaneous just from my journal, okay? So, John 14, 10, it says this. The words, so this is Jesus speaking, the words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me is the one who's doing the work. Now, Let's just unpack that a minute. The words that I'm saying, I'm not saying from my authority. These aren't coming from me. I'm saying these because I've actually heard them from the Father. Now, if you think about it, all the recorded things we have that Jesus says, what he's saying there is, I got them first by hearing them from the Father. And unless I heard them from the Father, I didn't say them. And it really struck me and it challenged me as well is, if that's true for Jesus, it needs to be true for us too. And that's why this thing about hearing God's voice is so important. And that's why I think we, we get the cart before the horse, because we say all sorts of things, do all sorts of things, get into all sorts of arguments and, and all the rest of it, and we've not been told by God to do that. We, we, we run a lot of things off our own bat. Somehow we, we think we know better than God, and it's not that the things we're doing are bad. In fact, they're pretty good, but they're not the Holy Spirit. They don't, and if they're not the Holy Spirit, they don't have the ability to cut through the way the Holy Spirit's words cut through. To get away from all the arguments and get to the core of the issue of the person's heart. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I was really kind of struck by this. So, as the second bit I found interesting in that, he says, 
It's the Father who dwells in me who does the works. What does he mean by the Father? Well, he, he refers in other places to the Holy Spirit being the Spirit of his Father. That's what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit who lives in him doing the works. And so for us, we have the Spirit in us. It's with the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of Christ dwells within us. We, we've talked about that at length in the last series of faith builders didn't we so i'm not going to do it again if you weren't here for faith builders you can listen to it on the internet just go and feed yourselves till your heart's content but we have the holy spirit within us so it's it, we're in this same place and that spirit the same spirit the spirit of the father the spirit of jesus lives in you and so this way that jesus functioned is how we're meant to function so here's my question. Is that actually how we function? Sometimes, all of us, because we, we kind of come from this charismatic side of the church, which is, the, the, you know, we, we convince he's the, the best side of the church, but because we're charismatics, of course we try and function with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're about, isn't it? So we get that bit right. But the problem is... It's a sometimes. It's a sometimes. And a lot of the time, we, we don't have that intimate relationship with the Father, with the Spirit, with Jesus, so that we do a lot of what we do and say a lot of what we say and argue a lot of the arguments we argue without reference to the voice of God. And it's not, get me right, it's not that we're doing, what we're doing is bad or, in fact, it's probably really, really good. But it's not what the Spirit would have us do in that moment necessarily. Sometimes it will be, sometimes it won't. But if we're doing it without hearing the voice of God, it'll be hit and miss. And that's, I believe that's why we're having so little impact in our day. Because we are doing a lot of things, but we are not hearing the voice of God and referring to God as much as we should be. It's a sometimes instead of total dependence. And so I, I kind of, I'm, I'm sort of like thinking about this and, and thinking, well, what, what does that mean? And I'm thinking, well, the first thing it means is that's a huge challenge. And the second thing I thought, well, could it be that it's this lack of intimacy and hearing the voice of God and that, that relationship that Jesus had and his determination not to do anything except say just what God gave him to say? I, I've had, I had a little quandary on that this morning because as you do, when you like learning something, you have a little quandary. So kind of, I've got used to over the last few weeks, because I've done quite a lot of conferences and speaking at conferences and things, I've got quite used to operating, you know, expecting words of knowledge, giving the words of knowledge, praying for people, seeing them healed. And, and I thought I had one this morning, but I wasn't certain. And I thought, well, I'm actually not going to go for it this morning because I'm not certain. That doesn't mean I was wrong or right. It's just I couldn't get that level of certainty that I normally have. You all want to know what it was now, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, he, 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 
is is this sort okay what i've what i felt because I, I when when i have words of knowledge i feel things kind of physically and the reason i wasn't certain this morning is i couldn't work out whether i was feeling something that was from god or it was just the fact that i'd driven for six or seven hours yesterday <laughs> and so I, I felt a pain which i didn't believe was mine which started there and went down there into kind of my hip okay and now Normally, I, when I feel that, I would have a certainty that I should give that and that the person I'm paid for is going to get healed. But because of that confusion around, um, was it because I'd driven? I didn't want to do something that wasn't the voice of God. And, and so it's kind of like, by the way, has anybody got that pain? Okay, there you go, you see. Oh, like three, yeah, you should have gone for it. Yeah, there you go, you see. <laughs> Okay, stand up. Yes. If you put your hand up, you can stand up, can't you? Right, I'm going to pray, and then you're going to stand on one leg. Okay, that's what I got. All right, pray, and you're going to stand on one, the, the, the leg where you've got the pain, not, not the other leg. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for that word. We thank you for giving it. And right now, I say, in the name of Jesus, pain be gone. Muscles be healed, tendons be healed, bruising go, hip pain go, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand on your legs. <laughs> I'm in trouble balancing. Okay? Right, I want you to test your legs, have a wander around while I'm talking. You can wander around, you're all right. Have a wander around. It's a free, if it's a free country, it's a free place. You can wander around, try your legs out. Okay, I'll carry on. So that, that was just me being honest there. I couldn't get to a level of certainty on that. So I'm not good. For me, it's really important that I hear God and only do what I've heard. Amen? Amen. So here's my question. Could it be that our responses to people... From our logic, our reasoning, our learning, our perspectives are making things worse and not better. I'm just asking you that because it's kind of a biggie for the church, I think. Because we're running on logic, reasoning, perspectives, understandings, methods, ideas... And, and we're getting into arguments, debates, not only amongst with the world outside but amongst ourselves could it be that the fact that we're not just speaking what we hear from God into these debates is actually making things worse yeah. not better and, it, and it's not we're saying anything wrong in the debate it's just not helping because it's entrenching yeah. and when you're entrenched you're not going to move Here's another question for you. Lots of questions this morning. By the way, how are we doing with our hips? Susie, pray for that hip. Anybody else? Anybody? Oh, Eileen's done a runner. Look at that. <laughs> They're all wandering around. Okay, well. Okay, here's my second question. How is Jesus glorified on earth? Because isn't that, isn't that the goal? Isn't that what we want? We want to glorify Jesus on earth. 
So what's the answer? Because the Bible tells us, how is Jesus glorified on earth? Here's, Here's the answer. John 16, verse 14. He will glorify me, for he will take, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one who glorifies Jesus. Holy Spirit will glorify me, for the Holy Spirit will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that the Holy Spirit will take of mine and declare it to you. Here's the thing. All things are Jesus's. Because he's earned them all, he's paid for them all. They're all his. But the Holy Spirit's job is to take of those for the appropriate moment, for that situation, and declare it to you. He's the one that's going around saying, you've got it. What you need for this situation, you've got it. Don't know what to say. Stand in front of that person. I'll give you the words to say. Don't know how to reach people. Go sit in a coffee shop. I'll show you what to do. Don't know how to plant churches. I'll make connections for you. He's taking from all that Jesus has And he's given us the bits we need when? When we need them. When we move in obedience to what he said. And as a result of that, Jesus is glorified. Because he gets the glory. Why? Because it's taken from what he is. It's using it then in accordance with what he's told you to do. So who gets the glory? Well, it's not you, is it? It's not your ministry. It's not your church. It's not your your Facebook page. It's Jesus. Because he's the only one who should be getting glory. And the Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus. So we have to nail in our heads. The first priority we have in our lives is to glorify Jesus. And then we truly will be spirit-filled people. Because when our priority is not about Jesus, when he, he's like number six on the list and it's this and that and I want to do this and I want to do that and all these sort of things, then the Holy Spirit won't be as operative as he is when our goal is to glorify Jesus. And so if we want to get strong, if we want to see this revival that we, we all believing for and hoping for, you know, that glorious revival that Smith Wigglesworth predicted, a a revival of word and spirit that moves millions and millions into the kingdom, then we're going to have to be spirit-filled people working on this sort of level. Here's the thing. Jesus is not glorified by our plans, ideas, organisation, administration or management skills. He's also not glorified by our learning, our arguments, our reasoning. He's glorified by receiving of Jesus what is his and by the Holy Spirit showing it to you in a way that you can use it. 
So that's Jesus' approach. approach. He, he's, Jesus, just to remind you, he said, the son can do nothing of himself. And if Jesus, the son of God himself, needed that, then if we're to do our mission, we need to partner with the Holy Spirit in the same way. You know, like sometimes, I, I sometimes say, you can have deep sermons and you can have wide sermons. This is as deep or as wide as you want to make it. I'd go for deep if I was you, though. Because what we're talking about is having a deep, real relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Let's just go to John chapter 5. I like this little journal. It's working for me. Even if it has Thor on the front. Especially because it's got Thor, yeah. <laughs> Calling down the thunder. John chapter 5, and I'll go to verse 9. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of God can do nothing of himself. Let me, let me read that in a couple of other translations. I'll read it all in here, and I'll read you a couple of other translations, because it's, there's some really deep meaning in the original language that you need kind of two, three translations alongside each other, and you get it. Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Now, this, look at this. We're not talking about what I've just been talking about. In the first one, Jesus said, I say the things I hear the father saying. Now he's saying, I only do the things I've seen him do. Just leave that hanging for a minute. How do you see what God is doing? Just leave that hanging. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. Does, does God love you? Yeah. So he's going to show you some things. And he will show him greater works than these so you can marvel. Isn't that awesome? Just nip down to verse 30. I can of myself do nothing. I hear and I judge and my judgment is right because of righteousness, some of you will have, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Now, that, that word's always kind of confused me, because the minute you put judge in any sentence, we go all legalistic and religious. But I want you to get away from legalistic and religious, because it's not saying in that, like, I'm the judge. He's not, he's not talking about that. But the minute you say it, you, you, your brain goes all fuzzy, doesn't it? You know, like when you were sat in church as a kid and your brain went all fuzzy. It's just gone fuzzy because I've used the word judge. He's not talking about being the judge and judging sin and all that sort of stuff. That's not what this is about. Let me read you a couple of more versions. Um, remember I said, assuredly, I tell you, what, you, what was my start? Most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly, that's kind of good. Here's, here's the Holman version. I assure you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. So let's take it further, stage further. Jesus isn't just saying, I saw what God was doing. He's saying, I saw what was God was doing and I then went on and did those things 
really carefully to do them the same way as a saw. That's really kind of key. Jesus is saying, it was, it was so much this relationship I had with the father that what I saw him doing, I was really careful that I didn't step out of it. Because staying in it, I saw the things that he, that he was doing. And then I saw them happen. Literal translation says this. So you remember, I assure you, literal translation says, Jesus is saying this, I guarantee to you this is true. I guarantee to you this is true. The son cannot do anything on his own. So I guarantee to you it's true. You cannot do anything on your own. Anything you do on your own without the Holy Spirit doesn't have God in the process. He's not saying you can't do natural achievements on your own. One of the, the, the biggest tragedies of the, the, the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years is we worked out we could do a whole lot of things on our own. And we worked out now we, we can even have, you know, big meetings by marketing and social media and all that sort of stuff. And we can, that, again, nothing wrong with that. It's just not getting the results of the kingdom. We've got all these technological advantages now and all these manpower advantages and all these finance advantages, but we're not seeing the results that they saw when they had nothing in the, Old, in the New Testament in the first 300 years of the church. We're not seeing it. We're seeing bits of it. Why are we seeing bits of it? Because sometimes we're here and sometimes we do it this way. And so, go back to it. I guarantee you this truth. The son can't do anything on his own. Indeed, the son does exactly what the father does. Then go down to verse 30. As I listen to my father, I make my judgments. My judgments are right because I don't try to do what I want, but what the one who sent me wants. Jesus is saying, I got to, you know, all of us in life have to judge some things. We, we have to judge what's right, the right thing and the wrong thing to do in a situation. We have to judge what's the right thing and the wrong thing in a response. We have to judge what's the right thing and the wrong thing when we're pastoring people. We have to judge what's the right thing and the wrong thing when we're speaking into somebody's life. We have to judge what's the right thing and the wrong thing when we're helping with relationships. All right across the spectrum of life, we have to make judgments. And Jesus is saying, and, and this is Jesus, remember, he's saying, the reason my judgments are the right ones to make is this. I'm not trying to do what I want. I'm what the one who sent me wants. And that is massive. It goes to the, the heart of our motives, but it also goes to the heart of understanding how to, uh, we're meant to walk with God. So I'm just going to join this up really to, to finish up quite what I didn't get to, to finish up last time. You remember last time I talked about the three ways we hear God. If you, if you weren't here, you, you'll, again, you can hear it on the internet. Just go to our website. It's on there. 
And I talked about the three ways we hear, you know, that we hear God's voice. I talked about internal impressions, um, internal voice, and the external voice of God. If you were here, you'll remember that. If you weren't, then you won't. But you can hear it on, on the internet. Now, just take a step back now, because one of the things I said is, how do we see what the Father's doing? It's okay to hear what the Father's doing, but Jesus said, I do what I see him doing. Now, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Now, I was thinking, like, last week, Carly talked for about 15 minutes right at the start of her preach about the role of our imagination, that we have an internal seer. Um, you know, people talk a lot about seeing things, seeing spiritual things. And, and that, we have been given an imagination and the ability to visualise something specifically because that is part of the way we connect spirit to spirit with God. And that's what we see in Jesus here. He's connecting spirit to spirit with God by his seer, by his ability to visualise. And he's giving over his internal, because you haven't, shut your eyes, you've got an internal visual sense and an external one, haven't you? Like, I can, I can look at you right now, uh, and I can, I can look at Chris right now, and I can see Chris. But if I shut my eyes, I can still see Chris. I can't actually see Chris, but I can visualise exactly what he looks like. But, yeah, so you've got an internal visualisation, external visualisation. Um, and if I said to you, uh, Big Mac and Fries, you've just visualised a Big Mac and Fries. Not because you saw one, because you have an internal visualisation of what you look like. Now, that can be used wrongly, but it is actually there for a spiritual purpose. So we have to use it rightly, yeah? And so when Jesus is saying, I do what I see the Father doing, he was connecting on that internal visualisation to internal visualisation. He was connecting to the, the voice of the Father and seeing the Father's actions so how does that happen? Well, just let me give you a little bit more background in case you think Mark's gone, Mark's gone all weird and potty and new agey. This isn't potty and new agey. This is biblical. The enemy steals from us and counterfeits. And we, if we're going to see what the Father's doing and then do it, we have to get in that same position as Jesus did. And to do that, we're going to have to use some of this for the kingdom. And here's what he's... You know, right through the Bible, we get kind of used to people having dreams and visualizations and things happening in the dreams and, and all that sort of stuff, don't we? Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar and fingers on walls and all that sort of stuff. And some of it, you could go, well, maybe it was literal. Some of it, you go, well, it definitely wasn't literal. It was just like dreaming it and seeing it because it tells you it's dreams or visions or he was in a trance and the, and the Lord spoke and that sort of thing. Um, because like in the New Testament, Joseph is given a dream, isn't he? That he's not, not to stay where he is and he's to take Mary off to Egypt. Yeah. And, and he gets spoken to like that. Now, I don't know any, that many people who hear with the certainty that if they had a dream tonight that God wanted to, them to uproot the family, sell up everything and go and live in Egypt, would just go. But Joseph had that certainty. So he was, he was 
he had that clarity of knowing that was God. Here's the interesting thing. Joseph was a man without spirit. So that was the effect of the spirit coming upon him rather than being in him. We've got an advantage on Joseph so we can hear more clearly. I've heard, I've heard and seen a lot of people who have not had that certainty but have been desperate to obey God and have done things like that and it's not been God. Sometimes it has been, but sometimes it's not. And generally it's not been. And, it, and it's that level of certainty we want. Now, we'll only get that level of certainty by developing our relationship of intimacy through the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, and hearing his voice and letting him show us things. You know, it's not, it's not a day one leap to uproot your family and go and live in Egypt. If I said to Shell tomorrow, we're going to live in Egypt, I can tell you what the answer is. <laughs> I can also tell you I'm not getting fed for a week. <laughs> it did, darling. It took us two years, two years to tell you that we'd heard God to move to Cambridge. <laughs> two years. We, we did get here in the end, but that was only because she felt sorry for me. <laughs> you know, the whole... Um, the whole destiny of the New Testament church is changed by Peter having a vision. Because at that point, he's really struggling with how what Jesus has done has changed what was required under the old covenant. And, and whether that, you know, how, how does this all work? And he's got himself stuck. This is, you know, we read it because we read through Acts quite quickly, but this is years into the process. And God gives him a vision that says, don't you start saying things are unclean that I've now declared clean. Yeah? And, and so we see God operating like this at crucial moments in the body. And, and I, I think, you know, the reason these words are recorded in John about how Jesus was dealing with it and why he's really careful to say, to distinguish that I, I said what I heard and I did what I saw. And, and they're, they're different. Because you don't see what you heard. You hear what you heard. And you see what you see. So how does this work? Well, the first thing I'll say is just caveat like with everything else. When no matter how received, any word or picture that is contrary to the word of God is wrong. Let's just say that right up front. Yeah. So if you have a dream about marrying this, I don't know, this hunky guy that you've seen on the film and he's already married, it's wrong. I'll just tell you that. Or this girl that you've seen somewhere and she's married, it's wrong. Definitely wrong if you're married. Okay, you can get that sort of thing. You, you can get, you can... That, that's easy, isn't it? Some things, you, you have to know the word to be able to tell whether it is God speaking or not. So we need to know the word. So how do we do this? Well, this is what, like a lot of what I've been talking about, this doesn't fit naturally with kind of uh, mathematical, logical brains. It's art, not a science. It's, it's a judgment thing. It's a, it's a judging of, of the spirit. Yeah? That's what Jesus said. My judgments are right because I've judged right in the spirit. 
So I can only tell you how it works for me. Yeah? So most of the time when God speaks to me, it's either through the word when I'm journaling or it's visual. So I know I talked about internal words and not, but that's not the norm for me. They're, they're few and far between. But the, the thing that works for me is visual. Why is that? Because I'm a visual person. I, you know, when I was growing up and, and all that, um, until, well, even in my early 20s, I, want, I, I didn't want to be an accountant. That wasn't my life ambition. Uh, I, I actually went to medical school and dropped out of, after a year because I realised that being a medic wasn't my life ambition. And, and I was convinced that my parents had got it wrong and that my life ambition was to go to art college. I wanted to go to art college. I, I quite liked that, that, that thing. I wanted, to be, uh, I wanted to be a comic book, book artist. Yeah? Comic book. Do we say book up north? <laughs> you say it how you want, you Midlanders. But we say book. Well, book. Book. Or book. It, it, it varies. We definitely say don't, don't say bark. Because we, we can't do that. <laughs> okay. Here's how it works. Because I'm a visual person. The first thing you've got to do is position yourself to hear God. You know, one thing Jesus did is he kept taking himself away so he could have this time with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, I talked a few weeks ago about the effect of the white noise world we live in. And so here's, here's how it works. You've got to put yourself in a position to receive. Quiet, quieten yourself inside, quieten your mind. That takes actually a little bit of time. The more you practice it, the less time it takes. But sometimes it still takes quite a lot of time because of all that stuff that's going on in your life. But if you don't take that initial step, it's going to be really hard for you to hear God clearly. And so what I'll do is I'll take myself away. Can't always do this because I'll tell you a different way that works in a minute. But you can't always take yourself away. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll deliberately set myself out of what's going on. And I've learned to do this. And, you know, when I take myself away, typically what I'll do is and I'll, I'll spend quite a long time in prayer or in worship. And then what I'll do is I'll just still myself and I'll wait. I'll wait. Do I always hear something? No. My tuner isn't that accurate that I always hear something. God's always talking to me. But I don't always hear. But I don't let myself get frustrated when I don't hear. I just go, that's where we are today. Tomorrow, I'm going to hear. And so I'll, I'll set aside that time. And what I'll then do is ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything that he wants to reveal to me. And because I'm this visual person, what I'll do is I'll shut my eyes. You know, shut my eyes, eyes together, head bowed. No, not quite, but there's something in that, you see. I've shut my eyes. Now, I'm going to invite you, shut your eyes. What do you see? Pardon? Fireworks. That's novel. (laughs) 
Normally when I ask that question, the first answer I get is, what do you see? And they say, darkness. And the second answer I say is, look again. And what you're seeing isn't totally dark, is it? There's like shadows in there, isn't there? And different shades, it might be different shades of grey or it might have actually different shades of blue. And so what I'll do is I'll then look into that. Remember, I've asked the Holy Spirit, is there anything he wants to show me? I'm not trying to connect with all sorts of weird things. I'm trying to connect with the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit's bigger than anything of the enemy. That's why Jesus says, if you ask for something good, you're not going to get something bad. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. You've got to really have confidence in that. So you look. And what I see is as I wait, I see like a little visual thing emerge. And it can be all sorts of things, but it's like a little video. And it might last anything from two, three seconds to 15 seconds. And it'll play out. And I won't have a clue what it's about. Honestly, that's a really good sign it's God. Don't be thrown by that. That's a really good sign it's God. If it plays out exactly as you were thinking about before you started praying, it's not God. It's you. But if it plays out differently and you see something new, something fresh, it's going to be God. Because you've asked the Holy Spirit to show you. You won't necessarily understand it. Sometimes you will. It'll be really obvious what he's saying. But sometimes you won't. Here's, here's the big thing you've got to learn to do. Go and ask for more revelation if you don't know what it's about. It's a dialogue. The Holy Spirit is not bothered by us asking questions. I, I've been doing this since I was at university now, and I have found that he's not phased in any way whatsoever when I say, I have not a clue, Holy Spirit, what that's about. Could you give me some more explanation? Because right at the moment, we ain't getting anywhere. And you know what? That's when I start to get the internal impressions about what it's about. I get to see, somehow I get to understand what the whole picture's telling me, yeah. what it's about, whereas I didn't before. And, and then I'll ask him, is there anything else he wants to say? And then he might show me something else. It is okay to ask God for more if you don't understand. It's okay to ask God for more if you've still got some more questions. In fact, it often helps. It's not a sign of lack of faith. It's a sign that this is a dialogue rather than a monologue. So that's good things. So when I understand its meaning, I'll then write it down in my journal or I'll give it to the person that I'm with or I'll know that it's something that is strategic and directional. Uh, I think, you know, before Christmas I shared about uh, how we got to this decision of reaching out into other towns, which is just fantastic what God's doing. But it was because I had two visions of boats going across water and coming to another shore. Yeah, And we had no clue what that meant. And then uh, Dennis came and he brought something and Olive came and she brought something and it opened it all up for us because I didn't have the full picture. 
or the full understanding. And that's good, isn't it? And so we, we do that. Now, I want, that's kind of a biggie, you know, that's a, that's a big strategic decision. Sometimes it, this works to minister to other people. I remember years ago, in fact, it's so long ago, we were, we were living in a place called Timpley at the time. It's near Altrincham, it's between Sale and Altrincham, so on the south side of Manchester. And uh, we had one of uh, Cheryl's friends staying with us. And he'd come down to visit and she was having all sorts of issues in her life and all sorts of problems in her relationship with God because there was stuff in her life she didn't want to let go of. And so we, Cheryl was praying. Now, what I mean about separating off is that while Cheryl was praying, I wasn't listening to what Cheryl was praying. What I was doing is listening to God to saying, what do you want to speak into this? Yeah. And in that particular instance, what he, what he showed me was a picture of like a, a, a boat, a, a, like a motorboat, not a um, sailing ship, a motorboat. And it was coming across water, and every now and then it would like get spun around by storms and stuff, and then it would straighten up and it would go along, and then it gets get spun around by storms, and it would straighten up and go on. And, and I saw this, and I, and I kept and I was going, to go, okay, I don't understand how that relates to this. And what I was doing there is I was replaying that in my mind. Because I, I want a clarity of what, what God was speaking. And so when I, when I felt I had that clarity, I then described to this lady what I'd seen. And what God gave me is that, that every time that there was a storm of a difficulty or stuff got thrown off kilter in her life, she reverted back to her old lifestyle because that was where security was for her. But that God actually wanted her to move out of that and make progress to where she didn't get thrown off track by those storms and fall back into old lifestyles. And so that's kind of how it works in a prayer ministry situation. Yeah? Okay. So I'm, I'm nearly finished for this morning, which is good because I've, I've done my time. But I, I just wanted you to take you back to what Jesus was saying in those, those verses that I mentioned right at the start. The words I speak, I do not speak on my own authority, but it's the Father who dwells in me who does the work. And then... I assure you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. Um, can I have the worship team back up? Do you want to go grab them from wherever they've, they've disappeared to? The thing about teaching and in a way that equips is it doesn't necessarily have any um, jumping about shouting moments. Yeah? yeah. I, I, well, I'm kind of disappointed you weren't jumping about and shouting, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't lend itself to that. But here's the thing. 
There is huge value in getting hold of this principle that we, as born-again believers, should be walking like Jesus walked. And in order to do that, we have to get much better at hearing God's voice and only saying what we hear him say and doing what we see him doing. And it's got to move from sometimes and occasional to all. Yeah? Because I believe that when we function like that, the world is going to see something that it's not currently seeing on a scale that's making a difference. And, it, and it, it's all there. If you look at how Jesus worked, that's how he worked. And if he needed to do it, then so do we. Amen. Let's stand. Amen. Father, thank you. I praise you. I praise you that we can hear your voice. We can see what you are doing. That you have given us your Holy Spirit so that we might know what to do, what to say, how to respond, when to say it, when not to say things, when to do things, when not to do things. And we praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.